0: Good morning and welcome to Operators Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 11, 2016, and we will resume our study of the AA Big Book on page 89 in the second paragraph beginning where it says, Life will take on new meaning. Today's readers are for the 12 steps Lois M of Traditions will be Lisa B., and our readers of the text will be Rebecca F., Kelly S., and Irini M. The reference number for Wednesday, August 10th, is 8987. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lois M. to read the 12 Steps. Lois?
1: Good morning,
2: Sally. Uh, Good morning, everyone. This is Lois M. in Massachusetts, recovered, and happy to be of service. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. To such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lois.
0: I will now ask Lisa B. to read the 12 Traditions.
3: Good morning, this is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OE unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend. at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B.
0: How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, on page 89 in the second paragraph, beginning where it says, life will take on new meaning. One paragraph only, please. And I will now ask Rebecca F. to begin reading. Rebecca?
3: Good morning,
4: Sally. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Rebecca F. from Connecticut, a recovered compulsive overeater. Life will take on new meaning. To watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. And this paragraph really describes what happened to me, and I can so identify with everything in it. I was thinking about how I was once a newcomer. And by the grace of God, I was directed to this meeting by someone I I don't even know who it is. It was someone who recommended it to me on an online meeting a day when I was in such desperation and looking for an answer that I ran to the computer and uh, a nameless person with no face on, on the computer recommended this meeting or the precursor to this meeting, I should say. And I was a newcomer and I didn't have a clue. And somehow all of you who came before me carried the message to me and um, brought this big book to life for me so that I was attracted and drawn in and wanted what those of you who had it had and was willing to do what those of you who did what Bill did. I wanted to do it too. And then I got recovered and my life changed from those bedevilments to uh, life that took on meaning and um, have a host of friends now. And uh, it's the bright spot of my life now to be in frequent contact with newcomers and with each other on this meeting. And it gives me the um, strength and the courage go out into the world outside of this meeting and try to carry this message to people who are suffering, who I meet in uh, my local meetings or who I meet at work or just in life in general who I see are suffering. Um, I see that people who don't have the benefit of this meeting often don't understand how the program works, the way we seem to get it on a vision for you. And I have such gratitude for that. Um, I identify with Bill and Dr. Bob every day. And I wouldn't know any better if I hadn't read this book with all of you, that that is what helps the whole program have meaning is that feeling that I'm just like Bill and Dr. Bob and the first 100 who wrote this book when it comes to compulsive overeating. And when I went to Stepping Stones last weekend where Bill and Lois lived in New York, I I felt so connected and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you
0: so much, Rebecca. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Lucy?
5: Julie R. You Julie
0: R. Simma.
5: Larry.
0: Okay, I heard Julie. I heard Nessa, I heard Larry. I Melissa heard Kim G. G. I know there were others. Kimberly. Melissa, I heard you. Kimberly. Ronnie P. Ronnie Shannon S. Shannon S. Okay, I've run out of
6: space.
0: Emma. <laughs> Simba, I'm sorry. Okay, I hear you. <laughs> okay, I've run out of space on this piece of paper. I'm working with Julie R. NASA. Then Larry, then Kim, then Melissa, then Kimberly, then Ronnie G, then Shannon, and then Simma. Let's go with those first, okay? Got plenty of time guys, so no rush. Julie R, you're up first, then Nessa, then Larry. Julie? Hi
5: Sally. Thank you for your service. This is Julie R, a recovered compulsive overeater in California. And you know, the first thing that pops out at me is is we we have the promise, right? to watch people recover, to see them, oops, somebody's unmuted in the kitchen or something, to watch people recover, to see them help others, that's a promise. And I will have that if I continue to work with, work with newcomers. And it doesn't say, you know, you work with newcomers once a week, once a month, when you're in the mood. It says frequent contact with newcomers. And I know my sponsor would ask me, when was the last time you called a newcomer? When was the last time you talked to a newcomer? When when was the last time you took somebody through, you know, something in the book? It should be, my answer should be, oh, last week or yesterday or I have one in three days. It's frequent because this is how I get to keep what I have, but I get to see how this program flourishes. I mean, I look at my sponsees and then their sponsees and their sponsees we're all doing the same thing and it's growing, it's growing. And the more that we can grow and the more that we follow this book, exactly what it tells us to do here, frequent work with newcomers, we're going to be able to see these other people recover. And I am never lonely. It's interesting because I would hate to be alone before. And now I, one, I'm never lonely either. I, I, I with my God all the time, but I'm working with people on a daily basis. So it also tells me that um, this is an experience you must not miss. There's another must. And why must I not miss this? Because it's the only way that I could keep what I have is by giving it to someone else and to continue to work this program. Um, So with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Julie. Nessa, it's your turn, and then Larry, it'll be your turn.
5: Hi, this is Nessa R. Did you call on me?
0: I did.
7: Oh, great. Thank you. Um, so this is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, life will take on a new meaning. And I, I was just thinking that, you know, society nowadays is so focused on self-esteem, you know, in, in schools, in sports, in, in everything. But the self-esteem seems to um, um, be coming from, Outside sources, you know, every kid gets a trophy for just showing up. Um, I don't look for self esteem in money and beauty and thinness and applause from other, others and admirations and admiration. And, you know, that's not what self esteem is because the moment the money's gone, the mo- then the moment we don't get a trophy, the moment we don't get applause, then where is the self esteem? You know, self esteem comes from doing esteemable things. And the only esteemable thing that I know is um, serving God and helping others. Um, in program, it is very evident what we need to do, um, you know, um, support newcomers, support those who are struggling, sponsor people, you know, be of service. But also in outside life, you know, my life used to be consumed with you know, what's in it for me, what can I get out of this situation, you know, going to, you know, somebody's wedding, you know, only if I'm going to have fun, if I'm going to like the food or or, or or whatever, you know, hanging out with a friend only if you're doing what I want to do, but it, that's not what life is about and that's not what brings self-esteem. Self-esteem is how can I be of service. It's not uh, what do I need, but what is needed of me. So going to a wedding because, you know, I want to help the, the bride and the groom to be happy, you know, hanging out with a friend, you know, to, to, to listen to her issues. Um, you know, it, it's, it's about, it's about doing for others. It's about focusing on others. And, you know, the, the boost to the self-esteem is, is incredible. And it's just so counterintuitive. Um, you know, in giving for others in doing for others, we get what we've always been looking for, i.e. that self-esteem, and that is a concept that totally eluded me. Um, But I feel pretty good about myself now. I mean, my life truly, truly has a new meaning now uh, because I feel useful, and I know that I add value, that I add value to other people's lives uh, in program and outside of program, but I think the key thing is that I see how much value they add to my life and with that I pass thanks. Thank you, Nessa
0: R. Larry, it's your turn. And Kim, you'll be up next, and then Melissa.
1: Thanks, Sally. Thanks for your service. Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um yeah, you know, life lives lives are transformed in this program. You know, when I, I one of the things I do for a living, one of the things I teach and um and I, you know, and, and I really enjoy teaching. I really do. I don't necessarily get to see lives transformed. They may be. I mean, I don't know if they are or they aren't. But I don't necessarily, you know, they, they take my class and they, they go on. Occasionally you get to know someone. See, in this program, you know, I've seen people that have come to this program in such misery that they wish they were dead. It would have been okay if they just didn't wake up. And now they're helping other people. Their lives have been transformed. They've been changed. That's a God thing. I I couldn't define for you what God is. I just know, you know, inside that's a God thing. I've seen people that, uh, you know, that all they could do in secrecy is, is, you know, is curl up in the fetal position or, or, you know, and uh, they, they just in such isolation as they binge their brains out or someone who all they could do in secret would be vomit all you know, purge out all the stuff they ate or they anticipated eating. You know, people that like me that park behind a (laughs) a grocery store in the dark of night, you know, making sure you're not, you know, near anybody so you can just, you know, stick your hands into a cellophane bag, a fast food bag, day after miserable day. There's someone on the line that's still doing those things. See, I used to do those things. My life has been transformed as the result of these steps, something happened to me. So, and I've seen this very same thing happen to other people. And this program isn't about science. It's not two plus two equals four or some you know, sort of thing, but it's there's something happens to people that where their lives have become transformed and they don't wish they were dead anymore. Not only that, they begin to work with others because you can't help but give this away. Of course, there's a passion you go from you know wishing you were dead or you know someone who was 500 pounds or 80 pounds and, and and their lives have transformed of course there's tears of joy you know um these these lives you know of course this is carrying this message is the greatest gift but when I came into program all I had, my hands were out i needed i needed help and I thought my problem was primarily weight and food. Show me how to eat. Give me the food plan. You know, there was, that was a starting point. I had to put my heroin down. But now the greatest gift is that I get to carry this message. I don't know if I help anybody. I don't really know. I mean, I, occasionally I, I see it. You know, I see changes. But it's all God's handiwork. <laughs> don't, don't kid yourself, Larry. You, you, it's all God's handiwork. I know that today. With that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Larry. And Kim, Kim G., it's your turn, and then Melissa, and then Kimberly. Good morning, Sally. Good
8: morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. To see a fellowship grow about you. You know, um, you know, I've always had the fellowship I craved. You know, when I came into Overeaters Anonymous and they told me to find someone who has what I want, I hanged it up on those skinny people because that's the only thing I wanted was to be skinny, You know, when I was in relapse, I hung out with all the people in relapse because I didn't want to be challenged on that. You know, when I worshipped the food plan, I only hung around people that ate exactly like me. So this is not new for me to create that fellowship about me and that fellowship I crave. The question is, I'm craving something different now. You know, I'm craving those people that are dedicated to this 12-step way of life. I'm dedicated to people that want to recover, that aren't satisfied anymore to temporary respite, which is what I was satisfied with for many years in O.A. And, and, you know, as beautiful as these promises are, I have to tell you guys, I'm very concerned about our fellowship. You know, just to look at it statistically, in 1990, O.A. had a census and there was 150,000 people. In 2014, we had a census and we only had 53,000 people. And from what I've heard, some of the statistics are kind of wonky, so it's probably a lot less than that. When I came in in 1994, there was a Friday night meeting that had 80 to 100 people that went to it. That meeting has almost closed and now averages 5 to 10 people. The average meeting in Over Anonymous is only 9 people. You know, I think of this this vision for you, and one of my concerns, I love this meeting, but one of my concerns is that we separate ourselves. People, unfortunately, think a vision for you is a sect of Over Anonymous. We are Overeaters Anonymous. We are a meaning of Overeaters Anonymous. There is no such thing as a vision for you sponsor. There's there's a a sponsor that leads you through the big book. There's no such thing as a vision for you way of doing the steps. There's the big book method of doing the steps. So when I look at these promises, am I helping to do that? Am I building bridges with Overeaters Anonymous to help our fellowship grow? Or my building wall saying, you don't do the big book or you don't do a vision for you and I don't hang out with you. You know, I often hear people say, well, I don't go to -to face-to-face meetings because I don't get what I want. I get what I want on a vision. Well, you know what? If you have a message to carry, you shouldn't be going to meetings to get fed. You should be going to meetings to feed others. The question is, why aren't you going to that face-to-face meeting so that you can give this? Why don't you share what you have here, what you find on A Vision for You, what you find in the big book? And I'm saying this for me too because I have a home group that's face-to-face. Like I tell you, I don't go to a lot of meetings either that are face-to-face. So as I look at these promises, am I helping Overeaters Anonymous as a whole fulfill these promises or am I still selfishly being an OA thief and just having it within my specific group?
0: And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. And Melissa, it's your turn, and then Kimberly, and then Ronnie G. You'll be up.
9: Hi. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa, the recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, Gosh, I guess everybody's thinking about those face-to-face meetings this morning. That's what my head was kind of thinking about, you know, Um, how when I first came to OA, you know, and it was a face-to-face meeting, my loneliness was tremendous, you know. um, I was so full of shame about my weight and about my out-of-control eating. Um, You know, it was, I was like the pinnacle of loneliness. And I'm a member of a large family. I have, like, a large number of people in my life, but I was alone. And, you know, I remember coming to my first meeting, I could barely make eye contact, yet, Um, all I wanted was contact, you know, and my eyes were filling with tears. Um, When they said, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, welcome home, that's what they say at my face-to-face meeting, I felt my loneliness begin to diminish. And um, this is what I see happening all around me today. I see it at face-to-face meetings. I see people come in with that wounded look. And, you know, my life takes on a new meaning because I do have a message to share with them. I've been there. I felt that same agony, um, and I see them transform before my eyes. I, I hear it here on vision. People call, and they're lonely. They're desperate. They're in real pain. Um, and then I see this change. You know, I see it. I hear it. I participate in it. Um, you know, what could be brighter? No diet I, I ever went on offered me anything like that. You know, my life has truly taken on new meaning. Um I have a new meaning, a new reason, a new purpose. Um, when I reflect back on my suffering, there's not shame around it anymore. I'm like, I can't say that I'm proud of it, but it's like, yeah, this is my greatest asset. This helps me to be useful in a way I could have only dreamed. Um, you know, and, and when, um, you know, last week I was away with my family, and it was difficult for me to be in frequent contact with my sponsors. I didn't have a good cell signal, um, you know, and so the communication got a little uh, off for me. And I could feel, although I'm having a great time on vacation, this is a bright spot of my life that, um, you know, my program does not just fit into my life anymore. I have a brand-new life, and program is, uh, you know, is it. This is the bright spot of my life, and um, thank you with that out
0: Thank you, Melissa, and Kimberly, and then Ronnie G., you'll be up, and then uh, I think it's Shanna.
10: Good morning. This is Kimberly L., um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Georgia. And a couple of things that um, struck me were uh, was the first, the sentence, life will take on new meaning, okay. and to watch other people recover. That is huge for me. Um, You know, just thinking back when I came in, back in again in February of this past year, I mean, I was an absolute disaster, an absolute disaster, and not to say that at times I'm not still a disaster now, um, but my life has taken on such a tremendous change, and I have new meaning and new purpose today today. And to watch that happen in other people is just such an incredible gift. But as I say that, life will have new meaning if I continue to do the work. You know, if I continue to do everything that I need to do in order to stay recovered, life will continue to take on new meaning. And I've had some challenges lately. I um, was out of town last week. I'm out of town this week. And I can... 100% tell is you know when I don't do when I don't continue to do the work you know the life has a whole different meaning I am cranky I am angry I it is all about me and that is not the meaning that I want for my life anymore the other thing I wanted to comment on was frequent contact with others and newcomers is the bright spot of our day you know yesterday was a very long it was a great day. for work. It was a very, very long day. And when I got home, I just, I got on the phone and I started making calls. And I got to tell you, I had this surge of energy. I spoke to a newcomer. I, you know, made all of my outreach calls and that was the bright spot of my day. It was between helping others um, at work, doing what I'm doing um, for this big acquisition. And then it was also speaking to other recovered compulsive overeaters as well as newcomers. And um, and with that, I
0: pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Ronnie P., and then Shanna, and then Simma.
11: Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks so much. Good morning, everyone. Ronnie P., recovered compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. Um, when I look back, you know, in program I've had, Excuse me, I've had stretches of abstinence which of course I always lost because I was not working with others. And working with others um can go many ways. Uh when I work with others and they really get the program, I feel so much um I wonder is really what it is. And I have um and then to see them working with others and, and to know that I had a hand in that is just is just amazing. Um, but also when I work with others, um, and they don't get it and they go off the rails and then they disappear, um, that is my reminder of, of what awaits me (laughs) if I don't work with others. So in some ways I feel like when I'm, when I'm giving to others, it's my way of sort of giving God to them. When they go off the rails, it's sort of God's way of giving back to me and saying, see, this is the life that um, that that you're no longer, not the life you're no longer a part of. I'm having a hard time with my words this morning. Um, this is what's no longer true in your life. And that keeps everything green for me in a really, really great way. Um, also, by working with others, I think, you know, I used to think that, well, if I'm really involved in this program, it means that I've closed myself off from the world. You know, I'm either in the abstinent world only with people in program or excuse me uh, or i'm in some other world and that thing is you know and recovery is out there some, somewhere else once i started really working with others i feel like both worlds just knitted right together my my life as a recovered person is not separated into working with others and then who i am it's just who i am and my life has gotten so much better, so so much better. I've it it's just taught me um, how to be more patient and tolerant and giving. Um, and on days when I just don't want to be, or when I really act not in my own best interest, I've got the tenth step where I can get right back on the beam and say, "Man, I need to I need to apologize for that," um, or you know, I need to tell someone, "Thank you so much for that." So, working with others is it's about keeping us connected, um, and if I need reminders, you know, um, there was someone who I was in program with a long, long time ago uh, who just died last week of this disease, uh, massively, massively um, addicted and died directly of it, and oh my gosh, what a heartache, what a heartache, and this is someone who had had a ton of recovery, and so it's just a reminder to me that, um, you know, it's always here for our choice, but I just have to surrender and ask God, give me the next thought, the next word, the next action. Give me someone to help. Let me see the opportunity. Let me stay abstinent so that I'm not blinded to the opportunity that you're showing me in space. Um, uh, So that's it. Thanks everybody. I pass.
0: Thank you, Ronnie. And Shanna, you're up. And then Sima, it's your turn.
12: this is Shannon from those Minnesota grateful to be on this line here Um, a long time ago I remember reading a brochure in our O.A. literature that said really look at our commonalities rather than our differences because for a long time I had a big 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 block of being able to life take on a new meaning and to watch people recover and to help them, uh, to see um, helping be transformed in other people's lives and loneliness vanish. My brain was so stuck in focusing on what isn't going the way my, how it's not going my way and how OA doesn't feel like walking through the gates of heaven. I mean, this was the illusion that was going through my brain. Um, and, but I knew that I was a compulsive overeater and I had to go to meetings and I had to be of service. So there was this tug of war between selfishness and selflessness where it was that inner Shannon that said like, Shannon, you gotta do this. Otherwise, if you don't, you're going to go back to food. So whether you like it or not, get your butt in gear and get going for it. So I'm grateful for that. Um, the biggest thing is I wanted the attitude change and I wanted to be able to see, not only see life take on a new meaning, but really feel like take on a new meaning, um, while working with others. Cause even while working with others, I could have a sour attitude of like, well, they didn't get as far as I wanted them to. Um, that was only so much worth my time. And again, that is the selfish part of it. Um, so I really um, needed to focus on turning that um, pity, poverty, sourness over to my higher power and ask to have the fears that were correlated with that be removed. And then also ask for um, my desires of the outcomes while working with others to be removed as well and to just be a channel. When I started to really open up to that, the people I was were sponsoring um they were going through some crazy tough times in their life, and they were staying abstinent and finding recovery. And to see that as a miracle really reminded myself to keep going in recovery, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances were. But I knew if I wasn't sponsoring that point, regardless of my attitude, I I could have easily been back in the food or even further into myself. So I am just really grateful that, you know, the dimmer switch of the light is going up and up and up on really, like, seeing the miracles of this fellowship, And I'm letting go of the beliefs of, like, oh, this program is filled with a lot of women that are so much older than me because I'm only 20-something and I feel different. That crap is starting to fall away. And I'm so grateful that I start looking at our commonalities rather than our differences. And when I was able to start giving all the different people um, a chance for me to be present with them in the program – I got to see their skills and their gifts and, you know, people that I normally would be prejudiced against. I found out they had a great sense of humor and we were able to bond a lot more together. So I just, I had to honestly admit that, you know, I'm the selfish part of it can really block us from seeing Life take on a new meaning. We can be in the rooms, but we can still have our blind or goggles on. I know I did. So I am grateful that God is really revolutionizing that. And then I get to be a part of this meeting and hear and feel all of you guys going through recovery. It means the world to me. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Shannon from Duluth, Minnesota. Thanks, guys. Thanks for
0: sharing, Shannon. And Sima, it's your turn. And then I'm going to jump in here for a minute or
13: two. Good morning, this is Sima, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from New Jersey. Uh, I find it difficult to even begin to where this program has uh, changed my life. I consider now that I'm 41 years old, even though chronologically I'm 63, 64 years old. Uh, before I came into OA, I did not understand how to speak to people, let alone watch them grow up, I, I was just a, a bump on the log. I came in. I was already thin, so I didn't understand why I was compulsively overeating and binging. I didn't come in for a food plan or to lose weight. I came in to figure out how to stop binging, how to stop the the enormous uh, growth of weight over two weeks or five days or whatever it would be. And... Uh, now, the joy of my life is working with others and um and watching them it It's just a miracle to me that uh to actually see a newcomer and because I'm in a vision for you and I do go to my uh home meetings, I love telling people about it, and when they listen, they light up because i although I talk about what I've learned in my meetings, a lot of people are still in there struggling, thinking it's about a food plan or thinking it's about, uh, you know, being on the right food plan or having the right sponsor. And I just love seeing them light up when I explain that the program is a lot simpler than that and a lot uh, more meaningful than that and that their lives will be transformed. And I do... Have had the privilege of uh, working with somebody recently who is a brand new newcomer who actually has gotten recovered uh, with using the steps and the Big Book and uh, and the message that I've brought her from a Vision for You and the the incredible joy that I have when I, um, that that's actually possible and uh, I'm just so grateful to a Vision for You even though it's an OA meeting and I realized that and I was told about Vision for You from somebody from somebody at my home meeting. But um, I'm, I'm hoping that, again, OA can grow to what it was before, as Kim mentioned, how the numbers have decreased, because as a result of people coming out of a Vision for You and going to their home meetings and getting back to the basics of the recovery message that more and more people will experience the joy of life that comes from watching others uh, recover and not take 20 years, 30 years, 40 years of being in and out of OA, but coming in and getting it. And I'm um, thrilled to be a part of that. Thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Simon. this is Sally A., recovered in, in uh, while well, I'm presently in New York. And um, I, too, want to jump in on this paragraph. It's a wonderful paragraph, and it speaks volumes to me. Life will take on new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. He says it two times in a row here. And what this says to me is that we will change. To watch loneliness vanish and to see fellowship grow about you is about change because my disease. While the outward manifestation of my disease was fat and a nonstop thinking about what can I eat next or what do I have that tastes good, everything was so orally fixated that the, the, what I see here before my eyes in this paragraph is the very important feature of our disease of isolation. And I, I marvel that people actually can isolate even on a phone line. I've had people come to me and say, I don't like listening to Vision for You live. I like to hear it um, recorded. And I I say to people, if you can hear it live, there is something very special, very uh, tangible about listening to it live. When people go back and they deliberately, when they know that they can listen to it live but deliberately don't because they want to listen to it later by themselves, there is a form of isolation and to me it's stale bread it's so fresh um when i listen to it live and it's just like stale bread when i listen to it recorded later on and there is this alone it's just me and i'm taking it from my own uh, on my own terms when i listen to it by myself alone there again is that isolation factor and two um, I think that, there, that this is a very true factor is that listening to meetings on the, on the phone, there's a lot of great stuff we can listen to, but this is not just about knowledge. This Remember, that's what the book tells us. It's about smashing the isolation, and that's a very important factor for me, smashing the isolation and doing it my way and instead going face-to-face to be with people. And finally, this one little piece of sentence here, to watch people recovery, recovery—it's a bright spot. Oh, it's just so exciting when I hear people who are going through the steps, and I hear them recovering, getting well, and I hear them tell me uh, the the bottom that they were at, where they were, and and where they are. It's just—it's such a precious, a precious thing to live with other people. So, with that said, I'm going to pass, and I'm going to open it up again for those. I know there's somebody out there. I hear this breathing.
14: <laughs> I'm going to open
0: it up to ask Does anyone else want to share on this paragraph?
14: Ollie Hess. Elena. Leia M.
6: Renary P. P.
0: Okay, I heard Yelena. S. from Fort I heard Worth. Elena. Who, who else is there? Lois Rene M. P. Okay, I'm hearing a lot of voices. I heard Lois M. Car- Carrie P. Carrie P. I think we to only have time for those four. 743. So let's go with Yelena, then Leah M, and then Lois M, then Carrie P, and at this time I'll go ahead and tweak another one in. Yelena and then Leah. Hi, Sally and everyone. Thank you so much for your amazing service.
15: Um, here we're looking at some some promises of Step 12. Life will take on a new meaning. Um, when I personally came to OA, I was looking to stop this obsession with the food this bondage to food that i had but there's so many other benefits being in a program and one of them is turning from being completely selfish selfish to selfless and that's what this is talking about because we become those people that are happy just by sitting back and watching others do well and I was never able to do that. Uh, it says here to to watch loneliness vanish and well, yes, we come come out from this horrible isolation, that feeling where we don't belong. we don't belong anywhere. I, I don't know about others. I didn't belong anywhere. I didn't belong with my own family, with my friends, um, colleges. I didn't belong there at work. I didn't belong, and now I truly belong everywhere. And that's what that means, I think, that the loneliness has been banished, and it just become useful and happy and free, and, and most of it comes from that step working with others, step 12. It sometimes doesn't come from step 1 to 11. It has to be going. Into step 12 and starting to sponsor, and then that kind of session gets lifted, and we become to have all of the promises coming true for us. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Yelena. Leah Emmett, your turn, and then Lois Emmett, you'll be up.
14: Thank you so much. This is an experience you must not miss. You know, I'm so glad I didn't miss this experience. And I don't know about you, but I never wanted to be a compulsive overeater. You know, that was not my life dream. And this may surprise you, but my life goal was not to be here today speaking with you and every morning, um, or sitting in meetings at night or going to high schools or hospitals and carrying the message. I had other thoughts for me, um, you know, much grander, so to speak, than that. Um, but the program re- recovery, you know, the highest rank here in the program is servant and that is my responsibility. You know, having reached step 12 and having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, I'm now charged with the responsibility. And I don't have to guess what God's vision for me is. I know what God's will for me is, and that is to, to cleave to him and to serve him in the best way that I know. And as I look... At history in our fellowship in AA, you know, I look at how Bill W. carried the message to Dr. Bob, and Dr. Silkworth was in there, and of course, Oxford's groups, and the first 100, Roland Hazard, Abby Thatcher, I mean, just think of all the characters that we speak about and we study And all those characters, you know, were put together so that you and I could have it today, so that we're blessed today to meet together to carry this message to those who don't have it. And God has always picked people to do his job for him. And if he picked people back then, then he's still picking people today. And, you know, I have a responsibility to pass it on, you know, and our chief responsibility to pass it on is to the newcomer to the newcomer, and to give them an adequate presentation of the program of recovery. You know, every morning when we close the meeting from page 164, it states, you know, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. You know, well, now that so many of us have something, (laughs) we've got to transmit it. You know, and and that was something different, you know, from my early years in O.A. I didn't realize that, but, you know, uh, I was taught by my, uh, you know, folks way back in the 80s, you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you don't go. You can't be what you are not, and you certainly can't give what you ain't got. But once you have it, once you know that recovery is the goal, recovery is the aim, and recovery is the objective, then I have a responsibility, and what a responsibility beautiful responsibility and gift it is because despite the differences in religion, race, ethnicity, background, education, upbringing, occupation, etc., Over these three decades of working with people, it has been miraculous. The highest point, the greatest buzz. You know, I thought the greatest buzz was finishing off that cellophane bag and sitting in a car in a dark parking lot and binging my brains out until my eyeballs hurt. But what about the buzz of watching people be transformed by these 12 steps over and over and over and over again? That's a buzz. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Leah. And Lois, it's your turn. And then Carrie P., it'll be your turn.
2: Good morning, Sally. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Lois M., uh, Recovered in Massachusetts. And this is such an um, exciting and um, motivational message this morning. And I wanted to uh, comment on carrying the message. And, you know, what, what? my thoughts were, you know, I was always carrying a message, you know. But, you know, luckily when I... When when I carry the message today, you know I have a message of hope, and I have a message of honesty, and to be of service. You know, in the past, I was before I finished and did my step work. You know, I was always carrying the message of my my disease, my selfishness, my self-centeredness. Anger, a hidden, passive-aggressive anger, and couldn't figure out, you know, why my life wasn't working. Had didn't had no clue that it had anything to do with my my um, compulsive overeating. And and today, you know, I'm I'm very very grateful that I have gone through the 12 steps of, uh, of Overeaters Anonymous and have been transformed. And and what I was, my thoughts today were. Um, First of all, I was thinking about the Olympics. you know I used to describe my recovery as you know my I have a spiritual disease. And and when I have been recovered, you know, it's like I have a little light inside, and I'm carrying a little torch, my my flame inside of me, you know, needs to be fed every day, so, I, you know, I need to recover every day in order to keep this going. And and I always think of, you know, it's like the Olympics, you know, we, we help others, we, we take sponsees and do the work and help them recover, and then we pass on the little flame of recovery to them. And, you know, seeing the Olympics this week, it just reminded me of that, and it was, it, was a, it was a wonderful um, way for me to uh, think about my recovery. And I also wanted to say about, you know, working with others that many years ago when I first started to go go to OA or even find out what it was about was um, the, the, the meetings that I went to everywhere, they were the regular, you know, regular, they weren't the big book meetings, but every now and then I would hear speakers and, and they would say to, to the, you know, the audience, part of their story and their experience was, you know, they, they, Testified by going to big book step studies, and there was something different about those people and I sensed it i don 't know whether they spoke from their heart, but they spoke about change and transformation and being of service to others and i didn 't hear that in the, in the other people so i I was very interested and so you know I just wanted to pass that message that 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 is uh, that is the biggest um, that is the biggest demonstration of service that that I can I can offer today as well. And uh, with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Lois. And finally, we'll have our last share, Carrie P.
16: Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. This is Carrie P., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. And this has been such an energizing summit this morning. When I first started working with my OA big book sponsor, and I had an assignment to tell her what I could identify with on the call in the morning. We had read, I believe we're in the doctor's opinion, we're in the beginning of the book. And I had emailed her telling her how highly disturbed I was over what we had read. And she replied, good, this book is supposed to be disturbing. I didn't know that. But as I go on and carry the message and I go to face meetings you know I got my tender little feelings hurt because I don't go to meetings today to see what I can take out I've had a spiritual awakening as a result of working these steps and I go to -to face-to-face meetings to give back to the newcomer and I notice when I talk a lot of times people get up and move around everybody kind of shuffles they go get coffee and I used to, you know, be, have my feelings hurt, but today I know I'm carrying the message, and not everybody wants to hear that. So, And that's okay. Maybe they're not ready. So I really enjoy carrying the message, and um, I love seeing people recover. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you.
0: Okay, and we have time for one share. I know this is a dangerous thing to say.
6: One, Renee C. Then.
0: Renee, take it away.
6: Thank, Thank you so Lee. much. Sorry. Go ahead, Renee. <laughs> Thanks. My name is Renee C., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania outside Philadelphia. Life will take on new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss, and I am so blessed to be in OA for so many years, to have found the vision for you, to be abstinent, going through cancer chemotherapy as I speak, my 14th or 13th chemo. Um, So grateful, and uh, it really is a blessing and a gift to offer what has so graciously been given me. I love you all, and with that, I pass. Thank
0: you so much for sharing. And I'm
6: going to go ahead at this time and
0: um, say thank you to everyone who has shared. I would like to invite you to please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will ask Kelly S., read for us a vision for you beginning with our book is meant to be
5: suggestive only hey sally this is kelly s in oklahoma recovered compulsive overeater our book is meant to be suggestive only we realize we know only a little god will constantly disclose more to you and to us ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick